You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Imagine if you showed up at a lot that you own only to find out that somebody's already building something on it. And that person thinks that they bought that lot legitimately. I'm Kathy Fetke and welcome to The Real Well Show. Apparently, this type of title fraud is on the rise, especially for vacant land. Our guest today has some experience in how to handle these types of situations and how to prevent them altogether. Elizabeth Blosser is Vice President of Government Affairs for the American Land Title Association, or ALTA. She oversees the association's state legislative efforts, including annually monitoring state bills related to the real estate, mortgage, and title industries. And she's here with us today on The Real Well Show. So, Elizabeth, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for talking about this very important topic. So it sounds like this is a bigger uh, bigger problem than wire fraud. Tell, tell me more about it. Well, if you look at data, whether it's coming from government sources or um, private sources, fraud is just on, on the rise uh, overall. And unfortunately, that's part of kind of living in this digital age. If you think about it, in times past, if somebody wanted to steal something from you, they had to come to your neighborhood and they had to come to your house. Today, in the digital world, people are able to steal from you from the comfort of their own home, wherever that <laughs> is um, in the world. And so, you know, these crimes, these financial cyber crimes, are very important. They are a threat to consumers. We think it's something that. You know, lawmakers, law enforcement, um, the private sector, the public sector, everybody needs to, to come together to take um, a good look at. Uh, you mentioned wire fraud. That's obviously been something really important that we've been looking at um, from the title industry perspective for well over a decade. So fraud has certainly been on our minds. We've taken a lot of steps to provide education about real estate wire fraud and to implement tools to help combat it. Uh, but Title agents are always kind of looking for anomalies in, in transactions and things that might be a threat to consumers and to the real estate market. And so my ears perked up a little over a year ago when title agents came to the American Land Title Association and said, we're really concerned um, about this new fraud that's out there. And we coined the term seller impersonation fraud. Yeah. So what, how does it show up? What, what happens? So basically, at, at its core, someone is trying to sell real estate that they don't own. So here's kind of how the fraud works. You have a scammer who's going to review public records and whatever other data sources they may have access to. And they're going to try and identify a property that they would like to fraudulently sell. The properties are going to have um, some com common uh, traits. They're generally going to be non-owner occupied properties. So vacant land, vacation homes, investment, real estate, rentals, things of that nature. And they're usually also gonna be properties that don't have any encumbrances, meaning there's, there's no outstanding liens or loans on the property. So the fraudsters then reach out to a real estate agent and proceed to list this property for sale. Now, Nobody is likely to see the fraudsters. They're going to try and communicate 100% via email or you know, maybe text. They aren't going to want to come to your office. They aren't going to want to do a video chat. 
they probably aren't even going to want to talk to you on the phone. So they're going to have minimal contact. They're going to tell the realtor, hey, you know, we want a quick sale. So we're okay, you know, taking below market value for this property. So it's going to appear <laughs> as a really good deal. They're going to want cash offers and they're going to want to close really quickly. Uh, they're going to say they're unavailable for closings. They want to be able to sign their, their papers with a, a notary wherever they are at. And they're going to want to have all of the proceeds from the, the sale wired to them. So that's kind of the scam. Uh, the good news is the vast majority of these are being caught um, before the transaction closes, which is uh, the good news. But unfortunately, you know, some of them are still getting through. And, you know, when you think about the level of sophistication and, you know, some instances, these fraudsters are using the actual driver's license and social security numbers of the wow. real owners. And oftentimes they're using um, legitimate notary information, and that could happen with or without the notary's knowledge. So there is a, a level of sophistication. And I think that's the frustrating thing with all of this cybercrime is, you know, every time you think you've, you've figured out an answer, like <laughs> the, 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 the scene changes. And so it's, it's a constant battle to stay vigilant um, and make people aware of kind of what's happening in the, mar the marketplace. I mean, I think the more that real estate professionals and consumers are aware of this threat, um, the better off we are in combating it. How do they get the driver's license? They just go to the DMV and get a new one or something? Well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, unfortunately, uh, available on the dark web and through, mm -hmm. you know, through other means. And so, you know, again, these are these are fraudsters that can be, in, in some instances, very sophisticated. Sure. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about big, big checks like that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, uh, so some, so you could own a piece of land, maybe not have visit. A lot of people don't visit their land that they, they own. They might show up one day and see there's a house on it or, or somebody's using it, right? If they, if they don't know that this transaction happened. Yeah, the fraudsters are going to want the transaction to happen rather quickly, right? They're, and they're going to want as few people involved in the transaction as, as possible. So they're going to want to get the, de the deal done. But um, to your point, it can be quite a while before somebody notices the fraud. And with fraud, the more time that passes, you know, the worse the situation gets. And so we're always trying to educate people, too, on ways they can protect themselves. Um, and preventative measures they can take. You know, if you are a property owner, many counties offer free monitoring services so that you get notified if anything is recorded um, regarding your property. So you can sign up for those alerts. Um, checking your credit with, with frequency is important. And then if you're a buyer, um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's romance or real estate, if it's too good to be true. Um, start asking some really hard questions. Yeah. I mean, that happens all the time. My daughter's been harassed many times trying when she's just trying to find a place to rent. The fraud is, uh, it's just huge. You, she's like, look at this place online. It's so cheap. I'm like, yeah, that's because it's not real, honey. You're just, it, it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's rampant. And, you know, I, a, a lot of the fraudsters appeal to sort of what what we hope is true. Yes. And when, mm -hmm. when you think about this type of uh, crime and sort of the real estate environment we're in, it's really tempting when there's, you know, 
really not a lot of inventory out there to, you know, do a, a quick transaction and snap up a piece of property. And I think in the real estate market too today, everybody wants to make the deals, the deals work. And so it really takes slowing down, stopping and asking questions. I find it interesting that fraudsters really are working to keep, keep you know, additional parties out of the transaction. And I think there's a lot of technological solutions um, that you can employ to address these types of crimes, but you can't underestimate just the value of human intuition. You know, it only takes one person in the transaction to ask a question, one person to slow down, call the listing uh, agent and say, hey, where did you get this referral? Have you ever met this person? Um, you know, if it's, you know, a property that has a structure on it, you know, was it toured or were pe are people buying sort of sight unseen? I think, you know, bypassing those important steps in a transaction is also what can get you into some trouble. So you say it's a larger issue than wire fraud. What kind of numbers are we talking? So we don't have hard numbers um, on this today. And I, I would say, you know, I don't know that I would say it was a larger issue than wire fraud. I would say it's sort of equivalent to if you look back a handful of years to where we were at wire fraud, where it's just sort of an emerging fraud. Um, and so it is definitely front and center um, for our industry. It doesn't matter if you're talking to realtors, title agents, county um, recorders who handle the local land records. Everybody is talking about um, these, these crimes. You're seeing reports of it in the media, which indicates sort of an uptick. We have uh, done a, a survey or seen survey results that show about 73% of real estate professionals have reported a, an uptick in this type of crime. And then uh, you're also seeing some interest from law enforcement, which is, which is great. The Secret Service put out an advisory recently on this particular um, fraud scheme. Are there areas where it's happening more than others? I don't know from a geographic perspective if there's places. Um, I haven't heard of any place where it's not happening, mm -hmm. but I think it goes back to kind of looking at those property traits. So it's less about where the property is and more about the traits of the property, again, that it's not owner-occupied and um, that there's, there's no liens, mortgage, or any other encumbrance on the property. So what happens if the fraud goes through um, and, and the title company, I'm assuming, well, is there usually title insurance in this transaction? I'm guessing not. Well, uh, we always hope that there's title insurance in, in every transaction. Um, let me talk a little bit about the, the victims and then kind of what happens, because yeah. in this crime, there's really the two victims. There's the unsuspecting buyer, and then there's the um, legitimate owner. So the unsuspecting buyer you know, has a transaction that actually goes through. Assuming that they have purchased an owner's title and policy, they are going to be covered. I would say the caveat to that is they may not be able to retain the property. It may be a situation where they're financially made whole. Um, and then, you know, they need to be considering on the front end, especially if they're buying vacant land, what coverages they need. So there's nobody in a real estate transaction other than a title agent who can really explain to you your options. And there are a lot for title insurance coverages and, and talk about what is available to you. So hopefully people have gotten um, 
that that coverage, if they're they're building structures, they've set it up so that they can make modifications to the policy once those are in place. Um, if you are the actual owner of the property, um, you are you know going to need to report the crime. And unfortunately, you probably are going to have to hire an attorney to, to sort everything out, to help untangle the fraudulent transaction and you know take any other action you need. But you should also be reaching out to your title company to see what sort of policy you have. There's um, on residential properties, there's there's two types of policy. There's an owner's policy and a homeowner's policy. The homeowner's policy does um, cover forgery post policy. So that um, policy isn't available everywhere, but um, it's available in the vast majority of the country. There's a few states where state regulators haven't um, approved it, but that does give you coverage because title insurance comes with a duty to defend, uh, which means that your legal costs and things are going to be covered. So again, it's really comes down to being that savvy consumer and kind of asking these questions when you're making a real estate transaction about what kind of coverages are, are available to you. Wow. Okay. Uh, so we've, we've talked about how you can find out and be alerted. And uh, what, what is the service that you said that people can sign up for? So a lot of counties, the local county government that handles the land records and records deeds, um, mortgages, et cetera, they have services available to their constituents that are, are free monitoring services. So you can often go to the county's website um, or call the county recorder or clerk's office and just ask to be put on the monitoring um, service. So then they will notify you if anything is recorded against your property. And uh, let's just talk about wire fraud, because this actually has happened to us uh, in one of our projects. What do people need to do to protect themselves from wire fraud? Um, well, A, you should be suspicious of everything, right? If you're, if you're savvy, you should be um, suspicious, always looking for those phishing emails. That's generally where wire fraud comes in, right? Somebody gets into the transaction and into the communication. You have to be talking to the title company about the wiring instructions. And most title companies have like a huge block at the bottom of the, their their signatures that say, you know, you know, we will never email you wiring instructions, right? Yeah, you have to call um, and, get, and get all the right. And it's just yeah. like you know, sign here that you understand. We will yeah. never, you know, email you wiring instructions. And so. Um, I, I think for consumers, it's paying attention to that sort of thing. Again, in a real estate transaction, there's so much happening. Um, potentially, you're moving. You've got all of these other life things going on. And it's a daunting amount of paperwork and things like that. But um, again, sort of taking the time, um, uh, hopefully, your your realtor, your title agent, and others are sort of you know telling you about what, what the red flags might be along the way. And then, of course, early detection is always important in, in wire fraud. It's super hard to get those funds back. But if you act really um, quickly, you know, sometimes sometimes there is that opportunity. Yeah, I, I can't emphasize this enough. Just pick up the phone, call 
your title company and confirm the wire uh, over over the phone. Get the numbers. Make sure you're doing it right because they are tricky. These fraudsters. I don't know how they do it. They get in there and change the numbers, or they somehow fish the the emails. I don't know. But just call the title company before you send money. Right and. Don't call the number and emails that you've received, you know, don't hit reply. It's really go to the website, go to the information they maybe provided you when you met in person or you got a welcome packet and use that contact information. Um, You know, whether it's wire fraud or it's the seller impersonation fraud, I I think title agents play a little bit of detective uh, on a lot of this stuff. They are looking for red flags. You know, they may employ technology to try and do multi-factor authentication of the seller. They may be running their phone number or email address um, to to see if it's legitimate. But a lot of it is just basic detective work, picking up the phone, talking to the realtor, um, checking, you know, signatures on other real estate documents compared to the signature of the, you know, alleged seller, reaching out um, using contact information that was available in public records uh, or maybe tax records, uh, calling the sellers and asking them questions about the property that aren't going to be readily um, available online. So those those types of just sort of kind of almost old school detective work can be really helpful in these these instances. Yeah. Great stuff. All right. Any last tips for our listeners so that they uh, don't end up with somebody fraudulently selling their land or you buying uh, land that <laughs> isn't for sale? Yeah. I mean, there's there's the preventative measures um, that you, you can take. Just, you know, always be um, cognizant of the things that are happening in the, the transaction. If you can sign up for monitoring services, uh, that's great. If you are an investor and you have a large track of undeveloped land, you might want to reach out to some realtors and say it's not for sale. I mean, maybe people should be putting up not for sale uh, sites in, in some of these instances. And then you know, really make sure that um, you are talking with uh, title professionals um, as you're going uh, through a real estate uh, transaction and making sure that you understand the coverages that are available to you. Excellent. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for all these tips. I think hopefully you've saved realtors and uh, buyers and sellers from from potential fraud. That That's our goal. Thanks so much for having us on to talk about the important issue. Thank you. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you want to learn more ways to protect yourself as a real estate investor, just go to realwealthshow.com. We have over 500 webinars. They are free and it's free to join that will help you on your journey. Obviously, 500 webinars sounds overwhelming, but you can just listen to one a day or once a week to improve your education. Again, I'm Kathy Fecky. Thanks for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.